Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Elizabeth Inman and Jeff Rediger's podcast series entitled Retirement Today, Five Dangers of Federal Retirement. It's been a great series. We'll give you information how to get the book at the end if you haven't joined us before. Today we're talking about Chapter 6, which is estate planning. Um, very important topic. A lot of people say that's not very exciting, but it is incredibly, incredibly important. So, Elizabeth, welcome back. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here. All right. So, as we closed out Chapter 5, uh, we teed up today's uh, discussion. And uh, let's get into this. Uh, so when people are ready to retire from federal service, um, there's a lot of moving parts. We talked about you know making sure your beneficiaries are in line. We talked about reviewing your thrift savings plan. Why is it so important at that point in time to really focus on estate planning? Well, Jeff, you know, when I got ready to retire myself from federal service, I really have to admit that I, I, it really was basically the first time I actually started to think about my estate. And it, it did make a difference that it was in that particular year because it just happened to be the year that both my grandpa and my grandmother passed away. Otherwise, you know, I'm not really sure I would have been thinking about my estate. Um Grandma and Grandpa was a blended family. They each one had their own kids. And then on top of that, because there were a blended family and the kids didn't necessarily get along that well in the beginning, they'd hired an estate attorney and they had a living trust in place. So my own mom, she was the trustee for that trust. So it just so happened that she asked me to assist her in that process when that time came. And oh my goodness, Jeff, <laughs> my eyes were opened as to what all is involved in estate planning through the death of my grandparents. Um, it's just quite a quite a uh, an ordeal, Jeff, even with a trust. Right. Well, we all leave a legacy. And I think it's it's difficult sometimes to just, you know, talk about death, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. But, you know, not knowing when that day will come. I, I just know, and I've seen it with family and friends that go through uh, probate. It's not cheap. No one likes paying court costs and attorney fees. But you have an interesting story with your grandparents. Yeah, you know, with my grandparents, all that money they spent on that attorney, and yet that attorney failed to get the family farm, the title changed it over to the trust. And so the family farm actually went into probate. And because it was a blended family, that meant not only the court costs, but three separate attorneys got paid. Um, you know, it took 14 months to settle the probate, and yet there was not a single challenge. The attorneys that were hired wasn't hired because anybody was challenging anything. It was just to make sure they had somebody overseeing their own best interests. And all of that definitely messed, uh, left an impression for me about the benefits of having our estate settled. So, you know, no one wants to leave your kids with a mess, and yet over and over again, that's what takes place. You know what I mean, Jeff? Yes, and then you talk about in the book, I like this word when it comes to probate, mm -hmm. evils, the four evils of probate. I think these are very important. Could you share with the audience 
define those four um those four challenges that people are gonna deal with when it comes to, you know, protecting somebody's estate? Uh, you bet. The first one is time. You know, my family's probate actually went relatively smooth since nobody contested it. Uh, grandma and grandpa was very explicit in their trust and they had a will and even in their communication with the family prior to their passing, what their wishes were. So it, it went virtually uncontested, but it still took 14 months. A contested probate that can oftentimes take several years to finalize. You know, I have a family that that lives close by. Um, she happens to be federal, but her family literally had millions. And because of one family member, the estate closed with zero to go to any of the kids. It literally went on for eight years. Wow. Um, the probate because one family member kept protesting every single thing that happened, and it ended up court date after court date. And a, a multi-million dollar estate ended up with zero. Literally, the attorneys got it all. So the second one is privacy. <clears throat> My grandpa and grandma were very private people. They were raised during the Great Depression. They worked really, really hard for their money, and they were very private. They would have been so upset to know that their estate was advertised in not one or two newspapers, but literally three because they owned land in three different counties and it was the land that didn't make it into the, into the, uh, trust. Jeez. Oh, so, so sad. <laughs> and then the third one is disagreements. Um, I dealt with a, a federal family who stopped speaking to each other over an antique cookie jar. Now, I know, I know, everybody that's listening, your family is so much, you know, better than what my family was or what this family was. None of your family would ever disagree over something like an antique cookie jar. Just so happened that antique cookie jar was worth a lot of money. And, indeed, it was several years by the time I met with this uh, federal family, and she shared the story about how they were no longer a family all over an antique cookie jar. You know, another family, a postal family, um, she happened to be an only child, and then she had a daughter, which was her only child. And so when her mother passed away, everything was in the probate, so she, as a mother, wanted to avoid that with her child, her only child, her daughter. So what what ended up from the estate of the grandmother was reduced down to bank CDs. There were several bank CDs. So this mother, thinking she's doing the right thing by her child, uh, made a joint tenancy for these CDs with her only daughter. And lo and behold, um, something happened with the house, and she was going to do some repairs in the house, and she went to go cash in one of those CDs several years after um, she formed these CDs from the estate. She went to go cash in a CD to do some repairs on her home and found out that, that several years prior, her adult daughter had cashed out all those CDs without her knowledge. Wow. So disagreements. Um, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> probate is just the breeding ground for such a thing as that. And then the cost, you know, attorney's fees and court costs can literally drain the estate before a final distribution is made to family members. You know, it's things like that, Jeff, that, that gives probate a bad name and the reason why you want to avoid it, if at all possible, if you know what I mean. I agree. 
All right, so we've shared with the audience some of the challenges and the all the things that possibly could go wrong. So what's the good news here? Okay, well, there really can be some good news. The best way to secure a, is to secure a good estate attorney and get your trust put into place. Don't wait. That's something that needs to be done. I, again, just uh, helped a family who um, had a, a, a gentleman that had – had some severe issues left over from the Vietnam War, and he lived in a veterans hospital, and his only living relative, to his knowledge, was this cousin who was his guardian. And so this person had been his guardian for over 20 years. Not another single family member had been in his life in any way, shape, or form, just the guardian. So the guardian did an outstanding job because the only assets that this veteran had was Social Security and a, and a pension from the VA. So while he was living in a group home, getting extra care due to his disabilities, this person put away a substantial amount of money for him and saved it for him. And she was named the beneficiary for all of it. And little did she know that when he passed away then, um, the attorney who had actually advised her for all 20 years with this gentleman on what to do and not to do had never recommended a trust, had never really got that involved. And when she was named as the beneficiary, um, it went to probate and was overturned because there was 16 cousins, some of them second, third, and fourth cousins that was still alive. And so instead of this precious lady being able to reap the benefits of her labor of taking care and took such good care of him, then it was reduced down to a 16th is all that she got. Um, just, just simply because she didn't understand the rules. So, you know, the best way and the most secure way is to, is to get an attorney and go ahead and put your trust in place, especially if you are a blended family. Each state's laws are different. And how uh, an estate is divvied up upon death can be very, very different from one state to another. And the only sure way to make sure that your wishes are secured is to put your trust in place. But there are other ways as well. Joint tenancy. Now, you don't want to do joint tenancy with anybody except a spouse. Um, the firm that I literally got started with uh, over 10 years ago had a client <clears throat> who had a very wealthy mother. Um, he was independent, but he was helping take care of his mom. She was in her 90s. And so to make things easy, he she just made him joint tenant on all of her assets. Well, he woke up one Saturday morning and was going down the road in, in his pickup and hit a little boy on a bicycle and a wrongful oh, death lawsuit ensued. And his mother literally ended up losing everything because she was a joint tenant with him on her assets, or I should say because he was joint tenant with her. Um, you know, none of us step into marriage saying that, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be married for three years and then I'm going to divorce. Uh, things that a joint tenancy has a problem with is things like divorce or what if there's a tax lien filed or I could name many more joint tenancy should only be with a current spouse. There's other things that you use instead of joint tenancy that will accomplish the same thing. 
Um, for instance, if it's a checking account and you're wanting to make it easy for your children uh, to be able to pay the bills for you, you just make them a signer, not a joint tenant. Um, you want to set up your cash accounts as POD, payable on death. You just go to your financial institution, your bank or your credit union and ask for the payable on death form. It doesn't even cost anything. Then for your securities, your bonds, uh, things of that nature, you want to do a transfer on death. Uh, you can literally, most states allows for transfer on death or a beneficiary deed on real estate. There's a fee for that, but it can be done. Even vehicles in most states can use transfer on death for the title. Um, and then there's fixed annuities, um, your, your brokerage type accounts, uh, life insurance. You want to use beneficiaries and make sure that you've got your beneficiaries up to date. A beneficiary review should be conducted by a professional, a second set of eyes, a minimum of once every five years so that you're not missing something. Another set of eyes could have caught my grandpa's farm. Yeah. Uh, if there'd just been another set of eyes that had reviewed the trust documents for them, it would have been well worth it. Um, but oftentimes we don't even know to think about those things, Jeff. And uh, you mentioned in the book, uh, just to touch upon what, you know, just getting the paperwork in order, um, a couple tips for federal employees when it comes to their uh, benefits that they may not know. Uh, for sure. Um, you know, I worked for the federal government almost 24 years and then actually was in this business. And until I went to my second training on federal benefits, I didn't realize there were four beneficiaries we needed. Um, it's pretty easy to know that there's a beneficiary for the FEGLI, the Federal Employees Group Life Insurance. But there's also a beneficiary for your FERS uh, uh, funds that you've put into your retirement fund. There's a beneficiary called unpaid compensation that is for your annual leave that you've accumulated and earned as well as any days in a pay period that you've worked that you need paid for if something was to happen to you. It's called unpaid compensation. And then the TSP form, it's a TSP3, is a beneficiary form. So those are things you want to have in place. The other part of it is um, the decisions about surviving spouse benefits. Whether you're married or not married um, makes a big difference in survivor benefits. Survivor benefits are different than surviving spouse benefits, and you need to make sure that you understand those. Understanding what happens with a thrift savings plan after you pass or you retire is very important because it's not multi-generational in all, all situations. You know, our pension is not multi-generational. So I'm a... Uh, a retiree, I have a spouse, but all of my children are grown and they're not dependent on me. So the only person that that pension will, will pass on to is a spouse if I selected it at the time that I retired. If I didn't, you could block your spouse not just from having a portion of your pension, but you could block your spouse from being able to maintain health insurance through the federal government if you don't do that right. So these are all the facts you need to understand about your your estate when it's time to make those kind of decisions. So what I find is leading up to and including retirement is a time that people are very open to the ideas about their estate planning and putting proper things in place that will benefit their family should something happen. You need to know how this works. 
You know, IRA options just recently changed with the CARES Act of 2020. RMDs changed from 70 and a half to 72. RMDs are called required minimum distributions. That's the IRS um, enforcing their opportunity to tax our benefits. They let us put money away into the TSP or into IRAs, and, and it's not taxed at that time. Well, you know, things go well, and I don't have to touch my RA. I don't have to touch my money in TSP. Uncle Sam says, oh, yeah, at 72 now, not 70 and a half, you're going to start your RMDs. But even the inherited IRA laws have changed. It's not the same anymore, and it's not that simple anymore. So it's important that you've got somebody uh, available that's trained in these areas that's able to help you uh, through that process. So it can be pretty cumbersome, Jeff. Yeah, it's not simple. It, it never was simple, but it's not. It's it's getting more complicated. All the time. <laughs> oh wow! So uh, great information. Great information. Um, this is an important chapter. And uh, I was just thinking as you were speaking, those that haven't picked up on a couple other uh, previous uh, broadcasts. As we close out here, you need to go to fedchecklist.com, fedchecklist.com. Our sessions are up there. Look for the previous broadcast and look for the session on beneficiary arrangements as federal employees. Uh, Elizabeth and I get in a little more detail on what you need to do to make sure that you um, have your estate with your your benefits and retirement lined up the way you want those beneficiaries to be. You can just one little thing, you can throw off a domino effect on on everything you've worked for. But um important session. So okay, where where does the audience find you, Elizabeth? How can they track you down if they want a retirement consultation, they have a question? Do you give everybody your website? Yes, it's www.retirechoices.com retirechoices.com or you can go to the fedchecklist.com either one of those locations are a great way to get a hold of us and also on the fed checklist site as a federal employee you can receive a complimentary uh, retirement workbook worksheet and budget you can also book a complimentary consultation with elizabeth and her team and you can post questions on the site, on any anything to do with your benefits or retirement. That's what we're here for. So, Elizabeth, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. I really like the opportunity to get the word out for all of our federal employees so that they start that golden year of retirement on the right foot. And speaking of that, next week we'll be closing out the Retire Today uh, podcast series. Season one will conclude, and we will have a case study and uh, tips for year-end here. You know, we're dealing with open season. It's been a challenging year, so you want to join us uh, next week as we conclude this series. Um, So, once again, everybody, thanks again. Check out the website. Uh, Get with us if you have questions. We're here to help you, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thank you very much.